At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Happy Wednesday, if that's when you're catching this. I'm Danielle Avari, your host, and also if you're catching this Wednesday morning, maybe you have time still to bet the storm at the sky. It's an early game for the WNBA, and that is one of the things we'll talk about today. First, we'll get into our UCLA-USC football preview, working at, looking at the offensive line today. So we looked at the quarterbacks on Monday. We're going to break down the offensive lines today. And then, of course, we'll bring in our lovely guest, Calvin Wetzel, to break down the WNBA action for Wednesday morning's game, which you, you may have missed at this point, and also the Thursday games as well. So do not fear. There's plenty to bet on, as always, even though the WNBA season is coming to a close, and I'm getting kind of emotional about it. And yes, that's even after going 0-2 on my bets on Tuesday night. The Dream beat the Aces. The Aces are a top two team in the league, and the Dream are like six, in case you need context. But uh, it was very unfortunate for me, myself, and I. Let's look at the Los Angeles Lions. You can find at Bat River Sportsbook. Like I said, if you are up early enough for the storm at the Sky game, then you can take a look at these odds first. So we see that the Sky are having to lay three and a half at Bet Rivers. I actually grabbed this at two and a half. It was quickly moved to three. I would take three as well. And again, this game, 9 a.m. Pacific time. So I think Chicago is two hours, right? So 11 a.m. Chicago time. So that will be slightly different for the Storm that are, of course, on our Pacific time zone as well. Again, 9 a.m. Pacific time for that game start. Look for something live. 
if you're in the midst of the game. But Sky laying three and a half at Bet Rivers, minus 167 on the money line, Storm plus 133 on the money line, and total for this one at 161 and a half, which is tempting to look at an over, but two really good defenses in this matchup. We'll get Calvin's thoughts on that later on in the show. Also taking a look at football today, so let's look at USC's game starting with September 3rd, Rice at USC, and Rice getting 35 and a half points. Total for this one, 64 and a half. So if you'd like to lay 35 and a half points with Lincoln Riley's USC team, it's there for you. USC also at Stanford on the 10th a week later, and USC minus 10 and a half. That I like a lot better, actually. I don't know if you guys saw Stanford the last couple of years, but it has not necessarily been living up to its previous standards, we will say. And also we have uh, USC at Utah on the board as well. So lots of games to look forward to if you want to try to get some closing line value, if you will. As far as UCLA, Bowling Green at UCLA on September 3rd. That's an early game. And UCLA laying 26 and a half. So not quite as steep as that USC line, but pretty, pretty good there. Total for this one, 57 and a half. I think we've seen this move down a little bit, actually. I thought we saw this closer to 60 recently. And again, also another game you can look at uh, October 8th, Utah, UCLA, also on the board and Utah minus two and a half for that one. If you want to look ahead there, you can find all these odds and more at Bet Rivers Sportsbook as always. So let's get into it and start with this breakdown between UCLA and USC, looking at the offensive lines here. So before we do, I just thought this was important to note because it's more of a sports story, not really relative to betting, if you will. But an important one to note, because I think that more and more athletes are coming out and being honest about the struggles they're facing with their mental health. And Thomas Cole being the most recent one for the LA area, he's stepping away from UCLA football. He announced it on last Saturday and cited mental health struggles. Of course, he shared on social media that he hasn't been at the Wasserman Football Center with UCLA over the last six months following his suicide attempt earlier this year. He's from San Luis Obispo, California. Uh, he thanks the you know Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center, his therapist, his teammates, shouted out specific teammates, especially other offensive linemen, and just the staff in general. But he just said that playing football not conducive for his mental health, thanked UCLA's coaching staff on it for having a positive impact on his life. So just a shout out to Thomas Cole for doing that and, and the strength that it takes for a division one athlete to stand up and say, this is just not, not going to be it for me. This is not work for me. And hope, we just hope obviously the best for him and that he continues to get the help that he needs. So I think that's incredible that he stepped up and did that. And unfortunately that that's a loss for UCLA's offensive line, but all for the better for his health. So if we look at who is remaining on the offensive line, or we continue looking at the losses, really Sean Ryan, three-year starter, Pretty hard to replace. He was outstanding, especially protecting the blind side. According to PFF, he allowed two sacks and over 1,100 career pass-blocking snaps. Uh, also, Alec Anderson was a solid right tackle. Uh, put up pretty solid rankings via PFF as well. And most notably, perhaps, uh, beyond Sean Ryan, was coach Justin Fry, who I remember when he was brought in, I actually went to a practice and interviewed him right around the time he started. And... I remember thinking, wow, like you left, I think it was Minnesota, right? The Vikings and asked him, you must love being in California now. Cause I think Jed fish was there around the time too, perhaps. And 
love was loving his California lifestyle, and Justin Fry was like, "No, no, I I like the cold. I miss land. I miss." It was so funny to me. He, and maybe other people from California can understand this. That I was very shocked that not everybody wants to live in California because I obviously love it here. Uh, but no, he was he was very sad actually he kind of he kind of missed his home but he has taken his talents over to the Ohio State Buckeyes so outstanding O-line coach boop gone out the door but new offensive line coach Tim Drevno previous stops most notably with USC Michigan Stanford 49ers so he has some some work cut out for him here but I do think that there is some brightness here returners for UCLA have some experience at least on the line Sam Marazzo and John Gaines the second 29 of 30 appearances for them and were also mentioned on some all packed honor or excuse me all packed 12 honorable mention lists. Antonio Maffi as well, the other guard, three career starts last year after switching from the defensive side of the ball to offense in 2020. So, at least we have that going for them. A little bit of switch-ups though. Spring practice kind of brought up a lot of question marks for us. Garrick Di Giorgio Giorgio, oh my god, I'm, I'm not fancy enough for this name. Started a lone game uh, against uh, that Alec Anderson missed at right tackle, moved to the left side, and then Josh Carlin saw action as a reserve in the offensive line last year. A little wishy-washy at spring practice, and then of course Tyler Manoa, former defensive lineman, also shifted over to the offensive line and competing for one of the tackle spots, which is, a, I mean, it's a pretty thin group, if you will. As far as transfers. Two big-time transfers. Big Chip went out and got some talent to fill it out. Speaking of names I'm not fancy enough for, Raekwon O'Neal, I think that's correct, and then Jalen Jeffers. Uh, O'Neal was an all-Big Ten honorable mention selection for Rutgers in 2021. Three years of starting experience and also coming from a conference that has some pretty solid offensive linemen. That's what we'd like, those corn-fed guys. Uh, Jeffers is a transfer from Oregon. Chip went, went back to Oregon for that one and snatched him up. Uh, incredibly talented, three-star out of high school, had offers from Michigan, LSU, and USC uh, before he went to Oregon, and now likely to take over the left tackle position, uh, or excuse me, O'Neal would take over the left tackle position while Jeffers and DiGiorgio and Carlin will look for that right spot. True freshman, Sam Yoon, also be trying to get in the mix. So it's really interesting because UCLA is going to have a really – Peculiar mix, if you will. I'm going to say peculiar mix of offensive linemen here. Some returners, but I think a huge loss in Sean Ryan, of course, and then a new coach as well being factored in. So it'll be really interesting to see what gets put up in front of Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And we know that guy likes to run, so you want to hope that he's got some defense uh, or at least some offensive line help to help him out with that. As far as the USC offensive line, I mean, USC has been bringing in high-quality recruits left and right. There's some grumblings amongst the USC community, it seems, about the offensive line recruiting for future years right now and how they continue to miss out on some top talents. For example, most recently, 2023 four-star offensive tackle Lucas Simmons committed to Florida State, a program that's been under 500 every year for four straight years. So what? What the heck? But he's from Florida Clearwater, so it's not shocking that he would pick that. He was choosing between Florida State, Tennessee, Florida, and USC. Like, that pretty indicative. Like, the only West Coast team he was looking at was USC. So there is a little bit of concern, but it almost reminds me of, like, the 
elite level of say the Dodgers, like when you have the bankroll and I'm going to say bankroll, cause we know that USC will pay players if need be. And now you can with NIL stuff. So they have that incredible alumni network. And when you have this kind of bankroll and this cachet that USC or a Dodgers team has, it's almost like, oh, we're, we're not recruiting offensive line well enough, but they're literally killing it in every other category. And it's not even that bad. So I don't think you have a lot to worry about USC, even though I'm pretty positive no USC fans listen to this podcast. But if you do, tweet at me. That's so cool. Uh, also, by the way, last season, PFF rated USC as the highest graded offensive line in college football. So that was at 91.8 for PFF. So can they continue? Can they continue? They have the solid offensive line coach in Joss Henson. Top talent, Voorhees. USC's most experienced offensive lineman here. So Andrew Voorhees returning as a fifth-year starter. Uh, that's about as senior as it gets, if you will. Redshirt senior in 2022. And... He had to move back and forth last year from guard to tackle. That was not consistent. I mean, despite the two-quarterback situation also going on with USC, there was a lot of inconsistencies across the board, the coaching changes, et cetera. Uh, and he was the only offensive lineman, despite that, in the nation to post both a 90 or more PFF pass-blocking rating and run-blocking grade. Versatile, effective, top talent for them on this line. They did lose Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the college football's best pass-blocking guards, so in a considerable loss, now headed to the play for the Jets, if you want to keep up with where he's at. So definitely something to note for in terms of loss column for the USC. The center, Brett Nealon, big steps forward in 2021. He was a 2017 four-star recruit and in 2021 earned an 86.2 PFF grade for the year, which is 20 grading points higher than his previous two years. So big, big step forward for him. Graded positively in the run block rate, which we're definitely looking at in terms of metrics for centers, and was also the fourth highest rate for that at the position in the power five overall. So good, good return there on Brett Nealon. A little bit more consistency than, say, we were seeing on the UCLA side of things with the offensive line. Jonah Monheim, redshirt sophomore coming in. Last year started the first seven games at right tackle. Only one career tackle, but... Here's why he and Cortland Ford both started against San Jose State in 2021, which was the first time since at least 1984, when complete records were available, of course, that USC started freshmen at both tackle spots. So lots of freshmen starts last year. We know that USC had a dumpster fire season last year and now has all of this momentum built up behind them. They're rated, I mean, we're seeing odds where they're like almost insanely rated to actually win a college football championship in this first year under Lincoln Riley. So with that said, it's actually really good that Jonah got that experience last year and is going to be able to build on that this year. Cortland Ford, who we just mentioned, one of the two returning offensive linemen who started in the spring game, uh, didn't finish in the top 10 of USC's offensive players per pro football focus grade. So what happened was Bobby Haskins got injured. Ford took over the left tackle spot but if Haskins is back in the mix, then I think it's his spot to have. But Ford's still definitely talented backup guy for them as well. And Bobby Haskins himself, of course, transferred to USC in the spring, actually, of this year from Virginia. Getting in the mix as a redshirt senior, started seven games in, uh, at Virginia and appeared in 10. Left tackle and won all ACC honorable mention as well as ACC Offensive Lineman of the Week honors for his 
game against Duke. So all of that to say that, unfortunately, I did give the edge to USC in the quarterback battle. It was hard for me to do, but we did it. And we have to give the offensive line edge, I think, a little bit to USC here. It's sad to say for me as a UCLA fan, but I think that's where we're sitting. But don't worry, we're not done. We're going to move on to another position group next time. But first, we have to finish this show. Next, we're going to talk about the WNBA Wednesday game and Thursday games with Calvin Wetzel. Plus, we'll talk about the futures that he has and if he thinks that they have a good future or if he's going to try to get out of any of them. That and more coming up on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Danielle Avari with one of my favorite guests to have on, of course, Calvin Wetzel uh, of Her Hoop Stats. Does an incredible job of spread the floor, betting on the WNBA. Calvin, how you doing? Hey, Danielle. I'm good. It's good to be back with you. How are you? I'm so good, but uh, I know that a lot of WNBA fans are scratching their heads, are a little bit confused about this Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi final rematch coming up on Friday. Final regular season rematch, at least. Friday in Phoenix and not going to be on TV. Am I reading this right? Have you heard about this? I heard about it from you. And honestly, <laughs> it makes no sense to me either. But it's also like I'm surprised and I'm not because like it's this kind of on brand for this league, uh, mm. like the same league that moved the All-Star game from ESPN to ESPNU last minute because of tennis. <laughs> with uh, a tweet. Just kind of, right. Yeah. With a tweet. <laughs> hey, guys. So, <laughs> it feels like kind of just on par for the course, but uh, it is really frustrating. Yeah, the WNBA feels like that friend who doesn't text you until you're already at the place. And they're like, "Hey, actually, can we just can we actually just switch up real quick? Sorry." And yep. you're like, "Oh, so frustrating. I want to hang out with you. Make it easier to hang out with you." Yeah. Anyways, exactly. speaking of the Seattle Storm, they are in action on Wednesday. So let's take a look at Wednesday's game first. So Storm at the Sky, and this is going to be a little time difference for the Storm, who are of course in our, my Pacific time here at 9 a.m. Pacific time, but that's obviously noon for the Sky in Chicago. So. Is it? Is it? A, is, are they two hours or three hours ahead? Chicago is two hours ahead. Of okay, so it will be 11 a.m. for the sky, yep. but 9 a.m. for the storm in theory. So do you think that's going to factor in at all for them? I do, uh, especially because they are coming from Seattle. You have uh, it doesn't always, you know, factor in if you have like a team like the Aces was playing early, like when they played a, a few days ago at New York at like uh, 11 a.m. local. So that was 8 or 9 a.m. their body time. But they had already been out east for like a week or four or five days at least. So they had time to get adjust. Seattle won't because they just came off of a homestand. So uh, actually, if you look just like historically throughout the league, I think this is true in every sport too. I Don't quote me on that with other sports because I don't really bet men's sports too much. But I think I've heard this in the NFL, for example, um, when West Coast teams travel out East and play those early games, they just don't do well. They just, against the spread or in mm -hmm. real life, it just doesn't matter. So, uh, I yeah, that's one big reason I think I will be fading the storm in this game. 
Yeah, and the storm have been so wishy-washy. I was actually talking to Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus, weirdly <laughs> enough, who his daughter has gone to WNBA games with him. He enjoys watching it. He enjoys betting it. And we were talking about the storm, and he just mentioned that they had gone to a game, and it looked like Brianna Stewart still maybe dealing with some aftermath of, of whatever she was sick with in the middle of the, the – well, I'm not sure if it was COVID or not, but was out for health and safety protocols. And so maybe she's not back at 100% and how the rest of the team just really revolves around her. So – I do feel like without Brianna Stewart at 100%, this team struggles a little bit. Yeah, and you know, this team also struggles when they're coming off of a big win. I think on this show with you, if I remember correctly, I brought up uh, some of those stats. So maybe people can go back and listen, whatever uh, last week episode that was. But when the Storm are coming off of a cover, and especially when they're coming off of a big cover and a big blowout win, which they are because they just beat the Fever by, I think, 16 or 17, uh, the last two seasons, they're really bad against the spread. Um, I don't have the numbers wow, off the top of my head Two seasons back. Yeah, it's a pretty healthy well, I mean, even sample just, at this point. So, yeah. Even just recent, I mean, that 13.5-point cover over the fever on July 1st, and then a, lo- a, a loss of the cover, didn't cover six versus Atlanta, lost to Atlanta, and then covered four and a half versus LA, blew them out. We remember that game, 30 points. And then the next game did not cover the 10 points against Dallas. So, I mean, it, it holds true even just in recency. Exactly, yeah. They they regress harder than any team in the league, I think, when they come off a big win. And that Atlanta win that you just mentioned was another one of those early games. I think it was noon in Atlanta or mm-hmm. 11 or 1 in Atlanta. And Atlanta, if I remember correctly, blew them out pretty good. I don't think it was very close. Yeah. What do you what do you think we'll see point spread wise for this one? I'm assuming sky favored. Sky should be favored, even though uh, Courtney Vandersloot is out for this game for the second straight game. So maybe they'll be favored by one or two points uh, less than they, they looked were. okay without her. They did. I mean, yeah. they're definitely not better without her, but they looked okay without her. They covered without her in that last game against Dallas, so uh, they should be fine. They have a lot of playmakers still. I I could see it being. Two, two and a half, three. I definitely think I would take that even with no Vandersloot just because of what we talked about with the Storm regressing and with the Storm playing really early on their body clock after just traveling from Seattle. Uh, I mean, I think I would take it even if it were up to maybe like minus four, four and a half, five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of those spreads for, for the sky I'm seeing have been four and a half, five and a half lately. And I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that here. I would love to get something like a two or a three. I agree with you. Do you think that we're going to see higher scoring here? Because I feel like for whatever reason, these morning games... Now, this is weird because we're recording on Tuesday and uh, we're... Uh, of course, saw the Liberty game already and how little they scored in their morning game uh, versus... <laughs> versus the Sun, so 82 to 63. But in general, I feel like these morning games have actually ended up being on the higher scoring end. They have been in the last few weeks, with the exception of this morning's game. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. think they have been in the last few years, if you go back, because these Mm. camp day games, like these weekday morning games, aren't a new thing this year. They've had them. They didn't have them last year, I think, because of COVID and the year before that was in the bubble. So people are kind of like, I see a lot of people on Twitter, like, what are these games? Because they kind of forgot. But the league has done this before, like in 2019, you go back before COVID, these games existed, these weekday morning games with a million screaming kids. And when you go back to those, the unders hit a lot in these morning games. So I'm not sure if books have adjusted to that or if it's just been random, why the overs have mostly been hitting recently. Um, But I still think I would probably take the under in this game. If we get anything in the 160s, I could see this game being in the mid to upper 150s. 
Right. I agree. And I've been seeing storm games around 162, 163, and that's about the tipping point for me. That's about what I'm expecting. So if I can get like a 163 even and play under that or even 160 to your point, then I would look for that, especially with that sky defense, hopefully playing up to its caliber. That's an early game on Wednesday. That's unfortunate. It's the only game on Wednesday, but we also have an even earlier game on Thursday kicking things off. Poor Liberty. The poor Liberty having to play another early game here. It's 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. It's at the Mystic, so that's three hours, yes. So I'm assuming 11.30 a.m. time as far as the Mystics are concerned. What do you think we'll see in this Liberty-Mystics matchup on Thursday morning? Well, at least both of these are East Coast teams, so they don't have that 8.30, <laughs> 9 a.m. body clock thing going on. Uh, I am probably going to have to fade the Liberty pretty hard at this point. Uh, I've been betting on them recently, and it hasn't worked out. It worked out awesome oh, no. in June. It worked out awesome in June, uh, and then the last few games, I don't know what's happened. They've dropped off a cliff. That last game against the Aces, they lost by like 40, and then this morning uh, just got smoked in the fourth quarter after playing close to the sun for three quarters. And the Mystics are, they're like fully healthy and they've been fully healthy for a few games now. They're ramping up Elena Deladon to basically play every game at this point. We're not really seeing as much of that load management from her anymore because they want to kind of have her geared up by the time they get to the playoffs. Um, so I think this team is clicking pretty well right now. So um, yeah, I don't know what spread we're going to get, uh, but I definitely think the Mystics are going to win this one by double digits. So if we saw anything in the single digits, I would take it automatically. I'd probably take 10 or 11 too. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And the Mystics have just been a cover machine. I mean, obviously the Lynx had the travel issues on Sunday, but that was a no-brainer to go Mystics that way. Um, they're 17-10 and 10 ATS, so the best team against the spread in the league this season. And you just have to kind of pick your spots for them. But most of the time, it's just it seems like a no-brainer. And it seems like, why do you think it is that I feel like we should have be bigger spreads with these Mystics games? Like, for example, I feel the Aces lines are a bit overinflated. I feel like the Mystics ones, we always get a pretty fair price. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it's because I think they're 500, I want to say, against the spread yeah. in games where Elena Deladon didn't play. Um, they might even be like a game below 500. So uh, it might be that the books are sort of just factoring in those games a bit too much um, when really they're a totally different team when she does play. And that those, I mean, those games mean something, but they shouldn't really mean a whole lot when we're evaluating who the Mystics are as a team, because you're right, especially with her on the court, they are absolutely cover machines, and New York's been the opposite lately, so uh, it's definitely a trend I feel like we should ride. Yeah, if I if I can bet the Mystics at almost up to 10, I would, I would look that way versus the Liberty, unfortunately. And it's funny because I remember having you on and you being like, no, no, the Liberty, and me being like, I'm going to jinx it. It's going to be me when I jump on the train and all of a sudden the Liberty go off the rails, and that is what seems to always happen with this Liberty team. I want to be... A Liberty fan. They make it so hard sometimes, but they are dealing with a lot, obviously. <laughs> um, and also, I think Miles Ehrlich also tweeted out on Tuesday that Michaela Onyewede might be questionable for Thursday, too. She's been out and that Sandy Brondello said they need her. So just something to keep an eye on, too, with the Liberty. If Michaela's out, too, that's, I mean, just one more blow for this team. Uh, Dream at Sparks also going on as an afternoon game. So 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 Eastern. Dream at the Sparks. So here in L.A., interesting. I wonder how that reverse effect that's going to work for the dream what do you think yeah well it is uh an early game so it'll be actually later on the dream body clocks which uh might help them i mm -hmm. can see this game going either way honestly in terms of where the spread is going to be i don't know who's going to be favored i think this would be pretty close really to a pick them uh i mean it also depends who plays i think the dream just are going to get ryan howard back tonight by the time you put this out that game will have happened already uh 
still yeah. without Nia Coffey and Monique Billings. So maybe depends on if those two come back. And then Liz Cambage, tonight's game is questionable, last I saw. So it'll depend on if she is able to come back for this game as well. A lot of mm. sort of, uh, I guess, question marks, maybe revolving pieces, if you will, on either side. Um, but I, I could see this being pretty close to a toss-up. The Dream are a better team. Uh, but like you said, it is a really long travel and Sparks will have home court, so I'm not sure. Yeah, and it looks like they've only played one other time this season. It was back on May 11th. Very different times for both of these teams, really. And the Sparks lost by two, 77 to 75. We know that the Dream has one of, you know, the top defensive or one of the top, the top four defensive rating in the league. That's dropped off a bit. Pace has gone up. Offense been more of a focus for them. Do you think we'll still see a relatively lower scoring game like we saw back on May 11th? I do. I don't know if we're going to get, let's see, that was 152. I don't know if it's going to quite yeah, be that low, low scoring. Yeah, that's pretty low. I mean, if we got... Is that a Mystics it, game? What is that? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I mean, if the line were set there, I would definitely take the over. But uh, this is, I'm, I mean, I feel similarly to the Sky Storm that we talked about, that if we get a line in the 160s, I think I would probably have to take the under, because I could see this one definitely being in the 150s upper 150s I would probably have it again depends on some of those pieces coming back uh particular I think Monique Billings makes a big difference in terms of the dream pace uh when you look at her on off stats the dream play a lot faster with her on the court than off mm -hmm. um so we'll see if she's in the lineup but yeah at the moment I would definitely project this probably in the upper 150s we love Monique Billings here UCLA Bruin LA City cast hey uh but What's really frustrating for me with this matchup with the Dream at the Sparks is that both these teams will throw a ton of shots up, but they won't all go in. And so it's not going to be a pace problem for getting an over. And actually, the other day, I bet the Dream over, I think it was Friday, and somebody asked me, well, why, what made you go that way? And I was like, well, it wasn't even the Dream's oh, wow, their offense is so prolific. It's just they're going to keep shooting. They're going to keep shooting. And so they ended up getting there just barely, I think just went over by three or four points. But that's where I take issue with, I'd love to bet an under on the Dream at Sparks game, but they're going to keep throwing up shots, whether they're good shots or not. And that might just hit an over for you at some point. Yeah, well, shout out to Bet Rivers, by the way. That's a good point that you bring <laughs> up. Bet Rivers has props now, player props, uh, I feel like we should talk about, because your point about... We love it. Yes, I've been loving it, so Bet Rivers, keep it up, thank you. And <laughs> your point about um, the pace and how, you know, sometimes it's hard to bet the under because they play so fast, they get so many shots up, but they just miss so many, both of these teams. We might want to take over on some of the rebounding props in this game with all of those shots and all of those misses. We might see a lot of rebounds on both sides. Yeah, that's a great idea, and especially with the dream and... I would look dream, especially if we have no Liz Cambage on the Sparks. Yeah, no question. Whoever they put out for for Atlanta player props, maybe take some of those overs on Atlanta player prop rebounds. Let's pause there. How have the props been going for you? Because I love, <laughs> I, I shouted this out on the podcast on Monday, that I love that Bat Rivers is putting up WNBA props because we've been begging for them. The market wants them, put them up. And I'm worried that the books are probably getting killed on them, and that's probably a problem. <laughs> so how has it been going for you? Yeah, um, it has been going pretty well. So the books have been getting killed, at least, uh, at least by, by mine. You. Yeah, I actually, I'm one and two to in the early game today. Um, so hopefully we get it back tonight. But 30, I think that brings me to 38. I was 37 and 15. So 38 and 17 on those now, um, which pretty I feel good. pretty good about. Yeah, I don't know if it'll keep up at quite that rate. Um, I think we're already seeing them start to adjust a little bit more, like, 
Uh, a couple days ago when John Quill Jones was ruled out, they did not adjust the lines at all until eventually they must have gotten oh, hammered no. because they took them down <laughs> altogether. Uh, but I was able to get in all, too the, late. all the overs, uh, Alyssa Thomas over rebounds, uh, Dewana Bonner over points, all of those, because uh, everyone's going to get more volume you know, around her without John Quill. So uh, it's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, and then today we did see them adjust a little bit. Some of those totals were a little bit higher with no John Quill again. So... I don't know. I don't think I'm going to keep winning at two-thirds, but if I can keep winning at 55, 56, 57%, I'll feel good about that. Yeah, so please follow Calvin at CWetzel31 on Twitter and keep up with his props because he's hitting them at about 70% right now. We love it. And, uh, you know, the books are just going to have to get sharper. They're going to have to understand that the action is there. Uh, one last game to look at for Thursday, Fever at the Aces. The poor, poor Fever have just had a real rough go of it as of late. And it's interesting because, right, we're like, oh, they have these four first-round picks. It's going to be an incredible upgrade for them. But unfortunately, like I said at the start of the season, every team took huge steps forward in the offseason, it felt like. So even the New York Liberty, who I thought we're going to be so much better. Unfortunately, the cream of the crop just got even tougher too at the top. So the fever just really having a rough time, maybe not, maybe not their year. And now having to face off against essentially the number two team, if you're looking at the Chicago sky, but having to face off against one of the top two teams in the league here with the aces, the one evening game, what do you think we'll see? And they're on the road and it's really mm. late on their body clock. Uh, oh, no. I don't know how high the spread is going to be. I'm not sure it can be high enough. This thing is going to be over before it starts. I oh, think the no. aces are going to pull. The one thing I will say, though, maybe devil's advocate to myself, is that the fever try really, really hard in fourth quarters. You have to give them credit. And I think it's because they're trying to develop those young players and those rookies. So they're viewing those fourth quarters when they get down by a lot as sort of, uh, I guess, learning opportunities or ways to, de to develop those players. And I, we saw mm -hmm. the other day when they played at Connecticut, and I took Connecticut first quarter and first half because I thought the Fever might do that. The spread was Sun minus nine. I think the Sun got up by 20 at one point, cashed the first quarter, cashed the first half, ended up winning by eight. So anyone who took Sun minus nine full game had a really bad beat at the end. The Fever had like a last-second layup. So I could see something like that happening. I'm actually not sure now that I kind of talk myself through it, that I would take the Aces full game spread, even though I think this is going to be an absolute beatdown. Uh, but definitely yeah. first quarter, first half, hammer it, because I think the Aces should pull away really early, and I don't even know if any of the Aces starters will be in in the fourth quarter. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, is at what point do the Aces say, like, we don't need this to be such a huge blowout, especially because their biggest concern right now is that we only have our starting five to work with, essentially. Yeah, I mean, if they get up by 25 or 30 going into the fourth quarter, we're not going to see the starters in the fourth quarter because, like you mm -hmm. said, they, there's a giant gap from five to six on the Aces, and they're going to need all five healthy. You know, we've seen a couple of them get banged up here or there throughout the year, and it's a significant drop-off for them. So when they get to the playoffs, they're going to need all five healthy. They know that. They're not going to take any chances, especially against a team like the Fever with a big cushion. So it, it might be – this might be a great – we always talk about it on the show, live betting opportunity. This could be a good live oh, betting yeah. opportunity, too. If you see Becky Hammond pull those starters, go bet the Fever plus 22 and a half or whatever it's at at that point. Um, and watch or the, the under, the full yeah. game under at that or, point. Or that, or Aces team total <laughs> under, because those backups don't score any points. Aces team no. total, another good live bet as soon as those starters get pulled. But you got to watch the game for that. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> live betting is very, it's very helpful when you're live betting to be watching the game. Step one. Uh, but the fever, by the way, have only covered three of their last 10 against the spread. And there were two that were over 10 point spreads for them. And they were two and two on those. So there was a 10, a nine and a half, and they covered those. And then as a 14 point dog, they did not. And as a 13 and a half, they did not. So it's almost like there's that threshold where if they're just within nine, 10, maybe they can stick with that team. But against a Seattle, again, a Seattle again they're not going to cover that 13 and a half 14 so we're going to see something like that for this aces I'm sure this line's going to be well over 10 yeah I think this line will be over 15 this might be the highest line we've seen I think the highest line we've seen this year is 15 and a half I want to say mm -hmm. maybe 16 mm -hmm. this one we might get a 16 and a half or 17 this one might be the highest that we've seen all year I wouldn't be shocked yeah and there's going to be people who want to back the fever and I just bless them Bless him for wanting to do that. As far as the total is concerned, what do you think we will see? When we get into like the upper 160s, I get nervous of looking at any overs, like 168s, 167s. But if I saw something in the 163, perhaps, we're not going to get that probably. I I would love to get 163 because I would <laughs> I would put a lot on the over in this game. Uh, I'm usually with you on kind of being scared off by those overs once you start to creep towards 170. Yeah. I think this game might be an exception. I think if we got 170, mm -hmm. I would take the over. Because, I mean, number one, the Aces have been the best team for overs all year, 16-9 and nine to the over, I believe. And the Fever, on the other hand, love to push the pace. The Fever aren't going to try to slow the Aces down at all. They're going to run with them. They're not going to score with them, but they're going to run with them. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, this could be one of those games where the Aces score 100 even with their bench in, in the fourth quarter because they already had... 80-85 coming into the fourth quarter. Uh, and you really only need the fever to get to 70-75 at that point if you want to clear 170. So, uh, yeah, I I think this game is going to be at least in the 170s. It wouldn't shock me to see it hit 180. I definitely wouldn't take the over if the line started getting up towards 180, but it wouldn't shock me to see this game hit 180. Are, are you, do you think we can get 70 out of the fever is my question. <laughs> I, th I think we can because I think in the fourth quarter we'll get 20 to 25 out of them if it's a blowout. I think it'll be a blowout, and I think okay. at that point the Aces bench will be in. And like I said, the Fever, they just try so hard, bless their hearts, in the fourth <laughs> quarter. They are trying harder than anyone else, and because of that, I think we'll get a lot of Fever fourth quarter points. Yes, and we and we mean that with the utmost respect. We 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 love the baby fever. We want we want them to succeed, don't we all? We all want to see the fever succeed. This one's going to be a tough one to bet. I agree. We're going to have to look live. And if you could get anything relative to the aces that would be less than fifteen live, that would be ideal. And if you could find a way to bet this over as well, I think that would be ideal. Calvin, before I let you go, let's recap what your futures are at too. I know you have three futures plays. Yeah, so I got the Mystics at plus 3,000. Uh, every time I tell someone that, they're like, wow, how'd you get that? That's crazy, because even preseason, <laughs> they weren't that high. But back in December, they were that high before they got the number one pick. Preseason, they were at, I think, like plus 2,000, plus 2,200, talking about like the month before the season. But the day that they got the number one pick, they were at plus 3,000. Some books updated within minutes or the hour. Uh, some books didn't update for like 24 hours. So uh, they got the number one pick. I took them at plus 3,000. It dropped. They traded the number one pick, but it still uh, looks pretty good right now. And then I got the Aces at plus 275. I wish I would have. I think it was like plus 350 at the beginning of the season, so I wish I would have jumped on that. But uh, 
I kind of waited to see how they looked, and they looked really great in May. So it took plus 275. And then um, the Lynx at plus <laughs> 25,000 is my long shot. Nafisa Collier is practicing. She wants to come back. She wants to play with Sylvia Fowles. After if having she a does, baby. At, which is remarkable. It's I, mm-hmm. She wouldn't be the first one to do it. And everyone who's done it before is just wildly impressive that they can do that. So mm-hmm. more power to her. If she comes back, uh, and the way this Lynx team has already been playing in the last month or so without her, they sneak into the playoffs. And also, this year's playoffs format is different. Uh, you don't have to face that single elimination. There's no double buys, so maybe a little bit more set up for some of those upsets. If you sneak in six, seven, or eight seed, you really have a shot. So we'll see with the Lynx. Uh, if they get into the playoffs, I could definitely see myself cashing this one out. It is a points bet, which allows partial ca- cash outs. So maybe I cash mm. out part of it and maybe <laughs> let like five, you know, 5% of it ride or something. I don't know, because it's a bit of a long shot. But um, yeah, it feels pretty good. I think it's at plus 15,000 right now. You have a little bit of everything, though. You got your short shot, kind of mid-range, and then a longer one. I mean, Mystics 30-1, to not that mid, actually. My mid-range is 15-1 to on the Mystics. But two follow-up questions to this I have for you. Do you feel good about that Aces ticket right now? Do you still think they can win when they have so much questions surrounding their lack of depth? And the Lynx, do you feel good about the Lynx making the playoffs? Mm, you know, the, the Lynx is tough because uh, they have to really win a lot of games to get to the playoffs. I definitely think they're easily a top eight team right now, even without Nafisa mm-hmm. Collier. With Nafisa Collier, they're probably in that, that top five group. It's probably a top six with the Lynx, but they're, yeah. they dug themselves such a hole. So I just keep hoping that Nafisa will come back sooner rather than later, you know, that she'll come mm-hmm. back in the regular season and carry them to the playoffs. But it's pretty 50-50. Um, I'm not yeah. sure that I'm, I might end up just having to eat that one if they don't make the playoffs <laughs> and I don't get a good cash out. And the Aces, you feel good about the Aces still being a title winner? I do. Yeah, I do. I think they're in a good spot as long as they don't have any injuries. Um, mm. Because, uh, again, we talk about this year's playoff format with no double buys, which means I think it's not nearly as big of a deal if you get the one or two seed. Versus the la- last year, it was a huge deal getting that two seed so you don't have to play single elimination. This year, it doesn't really matter if you drop to the three. So I think we could see the aces down the stretch maybe kind of take it easy a little bit, knowing that if they don't get that one seed if they drop to a two or a three or even a four, that it's not a huge deal because those buys no longer exist. And maybe try to keep some of their players fresh for the playoffs. And if, the, if that starting lineup is fresh for the playoffs, they'll be in good shape. I'm sure Asia will be totally on board with that plan. She's not going to want to just play through the wall <laughs> the rest of the season. Uh, no, Asia's been on, on one. She's been on a tear. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much, Calvin. I was going to ask you about your MVP thoughts, but let's do that another time. So thank you so much. You can follow him at CWetzel31 on Twitter and just catch all of his action there as well. Thank you so much, Calvin. Yeah, thanks, Danielle. All right, and thank you for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. New shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That means I'll be back on Friday with more action, LA action, on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.